Hello, I'm the Reverend Brian Tank, and we're glad you're able to join us as we wrap up our series on 1 Peter. We've been working through this little book for about six weeks because it's a book that speaks to our climate. It's written to believers scattered around who are feeling disconnected, isolated, trying to figure out what it looks like to live faithfully in a moment that they didn't expect. And at first, under lockdown, that was our closest point of connection. The fear, the uncertainty, the isolation. It felt like Peter was talking right to us. And as we've read through the letter, it's followed us right into our current moment. Some of us are itching to get back to normal, and some of us are living close to that. Others are still living very isolated with lots of precautions. Peter doesn't answer questions of how we should be going about that. What Peter is concerned with is what normal we establish going forward. Here now a reading from 1 Peter chapter 5. Make yourselves constant. Keep alert. Like a roaring lion, your adversary the devil prowls around looking for someone to devour. Resist him. Stand steadfast in your faith, for you know that your brothers and sisters in all the world are undergoing the same kinds of suffering. And after you have suffered for a little while, the God of all grace, who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ, will himself repair, support, strengthen, and establish you. To him be the power forever and ever. Amen. Friends, this is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. This passage from 1 Peter, it ends with four promises. And depending on your translation of the Bible, some translations combine them into three because some of the words feel very similar. But we think there's a reason Peter chose these four. He says God is going to repair, support, strengthen, and establish. Peter says that this will happen after you have suffered for a little while. He doesn't say these promises will happen after a while. It's not just a matter of waiting. He says after you have suffered for a while. The suffering is actually an ingredient. All this blessing, all these promises, they don't occur despite the chaos and disruption. God's blessing somehow arrives through it. First comes the suffering, then come these blessings, which means that if we manage to rework our lives to avoid the suffering, we also avoid the blessing. The suffering, it's the inevitable result of living in the world in the name of Jesus. If we do that, if we live for Jesus in this world, there will be suffering. The same living for Jesus that brings blessings brings sufferings. And Peter in encourages us. He says this isn't unique. Your brothers and sisters in all the world are undergoing the same kinds of suffering. And undergoing, it sounds passive, but this word, it isn't passive. It means they are undertaking. It actually means they are finishing. Your brothers and sisters around the world, they are finishing this same kind of suffering. The suffering to save the world 
that Jesus began, we are finishing it. We are carrying it into today. The way Jesus suffered for the least and the last and the lost, we carry that today. Peter says, your brothers and sisters in all the world are undergoing the same kind of suffering. Because it's not just suffering in general that brings a blessing. There are different kinds. Getting an F for cheating on a test doesn't qualify for this kind of suffering. And getting fired for being a jerk, that doesn't qualify for this kind of suffering. Even the general suffering of COVID-19, the discomfort, the pain, the loss, it, it doesn't qualify this kind of suffering. Just having bad things happen isn't what leads to these promises from God. The suffering that Peter is referring to is the suffering that comes from following, from following Christ. Suffering that comes from pursuing God, from being faithful. And according to Peter, this pursuit of God, it's opposed. There is an active force in the world pushing against our pursuit of God, resisting us. And Peter names this force the devil. Now, the devil isn't opposed to change in general. The devil resists ascent. The devil resists moving from lower to higher. The devil resists sanctification, where we become more like God. We look and act and think and feel more like God. So if you're serving lepers in India with Mother Teresa's foundation, and you decide to quit to peddle snake oil cures for COVID-19, the devil won't fight you on that. The devil won't resist you. And if you decide to cut back on your prayer time to steal candy from children, the devil won't fight you. The devil will give you a free pass. Those aren't ascent. Those aren't becoming more like God. Those are becoming less like God. The devil is resisting our pursuit of God. Now, you might get a little stuck on this word, the devil. And we all have a different image of that. Maybe yours is a figure in the night with the horns and the glowing eyes. Or, or it's a spirit stirring up our worst desires, and I don't know what your image is. But we don't need to figure out exactly what the devil looks like, and we know we don't need to figure that out, or the Bible would have told us. What matters is that there is an active force in the world that is opposing our pursuit of God. There is something fighting against God's kingdom. And Peter says it's an evil that prowls. It's predatory. It's like a lion looking for someone who's vulnerable. This evil looks for the one who is alone, the one who is exposed, the one who is weak. Like the lion, this evil force, it's patient. It's not all at once. It doesn't strike and wants to inch by inch erode our morals. Little by little, lower our expectations of what's okay to say. Lower our expectations of what God deserves little by little until suddenly we find ourselves thinking about church as though God should be grateful that we were just able to make time to be here. In Peter's letter, it ends with this conflict, a call to suffer for God, a suffering that will lead to incredible blessings on the one hand, and on the other hand, this active force that is opposing those blessings. 
And one of the most basic ways the devil opposes those blessings is to suggest that there is a suffering-free road to get them. But there isn't. Growth is hard. Following God is hard. And on Father's Day, we remember this is an important role in the church. It was my dad who told me that if I wanted to go to the movies, I'd better get a job because I needed to be able to buy a ticket. If you want the blessing, you need to put in the work. And in the church, we need people to call us to do the work, to undertake the sacrificial suffering that will lead to God's promises. Therefore, God promises to repair, to support, to strengthen, and to establish. You have likely noticed how between the shutdown and the stimulus checks, it's been several months of projects for many people. There are suddenly gardens everywhere. Walls have been painted, leaking toilets have been ripped out. I know this because I see them beside the road. Rotting wood on porches has been replaced, it's been ripped up, and new boards have been put down. Suddenly, projects that people haven't had time for, they haven't had the energy for, they haven't... People have nothing but time. And so, things have been getting repaired. For some, these aren't just physical things, they aren't just things around the house, they're less visible things. Finally, spending time with family. Finally, addressing some bad habits. Finally, paying attention. Finally, thinking about the world or thinking through their future. Slowing down, it's given a lot of us an opportunity to notice things that are broken in our lives, things that are broken in us, in our families, in our community, and, and it's given us time to think about it, and, and that's led to a desire to fix it, to repair it. And we don't usually do that. In the hectic pace of normal life, we don't usually do that because you know it's easier than repair is chucking something and starting over. Easier than figuring out how to fix the dryer is to buy a new one. It's the time-efficient way. Or, or maybe just to pretend it's not broken at all. This relationship isn't broken, it's just fine. And we just pretend and we plug ahead. Those are easier. But... Broken bones can mend stronger than they were before. And broken lives can too. It's the devil. It's this active, prowling force that tempts us to ignore what's broken. But God wants us to acknowledge what's broken and repair it. And that might be a relationship. It might be a back porch. Jesus was, after all, a carpenter. Not just building new things, but repairing things. And God's first promise in times of suffering and disruption is that God will repair what breaks. And that what breaks just might be stronger than it was before when God is done with it. As believers, we don't have to fear the suffering. We don't have to fear the trials because God's first promise is that God will repair what breaks? God's second promise is one of support. Support is not a small thing. I'm able to do my job, and I'm able to love my job because I am supported. I am encouraged. I'm supported by my wife, by my family, by all the incredible members of this church. 
Each and every one of us, our achievements are built on the support we have received. In contrast, suffering is destabilizing. During the shutdown, I've gotten back into running. We live in this uh, subdivision called Rolling Hills, and unsurprisingly, it is populated with rolling hills. And I've lived in hilly places, and these hills are intense. And when I started up one of them one morning about 6 a.m., suddenly I found myself questioning things. My legs were burning, my lungs were on fire, and I was wondering, why am I doing this? Is this worth it? What am I hoping to achieve? I'm over the hill, I'm over 30, nothing good is going to come from this, because suffering destabilizes. It destabilizes motivations. And it's a temptation that this prowling force leans into. If growing with God means waking up a little earlier to spend time in prayer, then this prowling force, you'll hear it whispering, will it really make a difference? Just do it later. You're tired today, you'll do it tomorrow. When joining God's project of repair requires time and effort and maybe a lot, something in us, when it looks at that uncertainty, at that possibility of suffering, it starts coming up with excuses, doesn't it? Well, this month the budget is tight, but next month, next month might be better. Or this, this week, the work, work is so busy, but I'll have time to help next week. And so it goes. This thing prowling, telling us to put it off. To put it off because the suffering, the suffering is destabilizing. But when we make the commitment to stand with God, when we make the commitment to stand with God through the suffering, what we find is that we are not standing alone. God sends the Spirit and it stabilizes us. It supports us. God's first promise. We just need the strength, just the motivation, just the three seconds to say, yes, I am doing this, yes, I will persevere, and we find that we aren't persevering alone. God sends the Spirit, and the Spirit supports us. And again, this one highlights why the blessings, they actually come after you've suffered for a little while. When a muscle gets tired, if you've worked it out, you've been lifting weights or walking or running, when your muscle gets tired that next day when it's aching, it's because the muscle has literally been ripped apart. It has suffered, it has been ripped apart. But that being ripped apart is what allows it to knit back together stronger than it was. Now, God promises to strengthen and this isn't the same promise as support. Something else is happening here. It's not just that God is holding us up. God is making us stronger. And that requires things being undone. It requires suffering, suffering discomfort, suffering uncertainty, suffering change. It might even require physical suffering. But as things come apart, God fills those gaps and knits them back together. You may know that famous verse from Romans. We glory in our sufferings, for we know suffering produces perseverance, 
And perseverance produces character, and character produces hope, and hope does not put us to shame, for the love of God has been poured into our hearts. And you can hear this sequence at work. If we can stand in the suffering, if we can persevere, God will support us. And as we persevere, it builds our character and our hope. It strengthens us. Because God's love is poured into us. And it takes all these pieces that are being pulled apart, these pieces that aren't what they were, relationships, family, jobs, church, and it, it knits them back together. But it's, it's not me anymore that's holding it all together. It's not me, it's God's love that's holding it together. It's stronger than it was. As we endure difficulty for God, God promises to repair what's broken, to stabilize us when we want to quit, and through whatever difficulties come, through whatever tears us down, God promises to use that moment to turn it into an opportunity and to strengthen us. As God repairs us, knits us back together, we'll be stronger. And the last promise is to establish and the word established is used to indicate origins. This church was established in thus and thus year. Or it's used to indicate trustworthiness. Well, that's an established business, so you know they do a pretty good job. Or when two people are dating, you say they're an established item. They're not likely to break up over nothing. It's not casual. They're established. Or the new restaurant that opened six months ago, and they've pretty well established themselves. Now you're safe to go there. Although I heard that recently about the new Chinese buffet, and I have to admit, I am suspicious. To establish the image Peter uses here, it's actually to lay a foundation. Which means it's a strange choice for the fourth promise. The final image is to lay a foundation and I'm not an architect but I know enough to know that you don't build the house and then pour a foundation. The foundation is usually a beginning. A firm foundation is what you put a building on. Established, it means trustworthy. It's the beginning but here it's the end. Because God will repair what's broken. God will stabilize us. God will strengthen us. But then God is going to take that new thing and turn it into a foundation. A foundation for something greater to come. God does all this so God can take it and build it into something better. A better marriage than was there before the suffering. A better community than was there before the suffering. A better relationship with God. A deeper hope than was there before the suffering. It becomes a new foundation. This is a Father's Day sermon. Father's Day is a great day for some. A happy day. A celebratory day. It's a hard day for others. A conflicted day. A challenging one. We grieve the loss of fathers. We hurt for those without a father. We celebrate the great fathers and grandfathers we have in our lives. We remember those who have been like fathers to us. And when I think about fathers, these four promises resonate. 
because it's part of God's call to fathers to repair and support, to strengthen and build foundations. That's part of their role. It's not just their role, but it's part of their role. In the church, at home, at work, with friends, with family, fathers are called to repair, not just to repair broken sinks, but to repair relationships, to repair dreams. And fathers are called to support, to support spouses, to support children, to support the church and its ministries. And fathers are called to strengthen those around them and to establish those in their care, to give them a foundation for a better future, a future with God, built on God. It's the call of fathers. Now, a thing I've noticed in the church today is that men often struggle to find their place. And if you look around, it's a question being asked in the church at large, where are the men? Where are the men? And this is partially a matter of history. You may not know, but before the 1800s, family spirituality was often the responsibility of men. But in the Victorian era, all family tasks were the domain of women. Men handled work and politics and all the things outside the home, but the things in the home were the women's responsibility, including family faith. And as this trend went on, it included church. So you think of what churches do. And we use images like nurture. Tend wounds, comfort, weep. Now these aren't things that only women do. But if you take those words and you ask, are they traditionally a mothering or a fathering role? They're mothering roles. So many churches have male pastors, but the leaders of the ministries, the leaders of the ministries are women. Most churches are built on matriarchs, so churches ask themselves where where are the men? I'm convinced it's not that men don't care. I think it's that out there in the world they can name what they have to contribute. They can repair things. They can take apart a sink and put it back together. They can fix a car. They can support. They can strengthen that they understand how to lay a foundation. They can do that. They get it. But when they come to church, they don't know. They struggle to name what, what they have to bring to church, and this, just, this isn't just an issue for men. We could talk about others who struggle to find where they belong, how they fit within these walls. And the issue isn't that they don't belong. The issue is not that their gifts don't have a role in building God's kingdom. It's that we get stuck using too small a number of words and images. Passages like this, they help, they help us to reclaim them, to reclaim parts of church that remind some who feel like they don't belong that they're important here. So if you know a man or a woman who likes to repair things, who can take apart a sink or a toilet or a car and put it back together, who can fix things that are broken, but they can't figure out their role in the church, 
We need you to tell them that that is their role. Jesus was a carpenter. God repairs things. God repairs houses. God repairs lives. God repairs hearts. And this is an essential part of building God's kingdom. And if you know someone who who likes to watch their favorite team on TV and likes to yell at them what play should be next, or, or maybe they watch their kid at a sporting event and they're the one from the sidelines yelling, Dig deep! Don't give up! And that person can't figure out their role in church. We need you to tell them that that is your role, that we need you to do that. To support, to push. Because this suffering for God, we need to go through the suffering and to persevere through the suffering, it requires support. If you know someone who likes to get strong, to run, to lift heavy things, to get in shape, and they can't figure out what their role is in church, that is their role. Because we need to be strengthened. We need to be strengthened spiritually. We need to be strengthened as a community. It's an essential part of this process, this leading to a new foundation is for things to be ripped apart, but then to be knit back together, but stronger. We need people to remind us, to encourage us, to push us to do hard things, things that break things down so that they can be knit back together, held together by God's love. And working through all of this, working through all of this, God will take it all and will build it into a new foundation. So moments like this, moments like COVID-19, the disruption, the discomfort, even the suffering, these aren't wasted moments if we persevere with God. If we persevere with God, if we maintain our focus on God through the suffering, they turn into opportunities. And God will deliver these blessings. God will repair and support and strengthen, and God might do those things through you. And God will take them all and will build them into a foundation. And that foundation will lead to something better than what was there before. A better marriage than before the suffering. A better church than before the suffering. A, a healthier community than before the suffering. To repair to support, to strengthen, and to establish. To establish the kingdom of God in our midst. So we commission you to find that person who doesn't know how they belong, to find that person who doesn't think what they do belongs here, and to tell them, that is your role. That is your role. Thanks be to God. Amen.